Hello, welcome to the Wednesday, May 13th, 2020 edition of the Sands and Storm Center's Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich, and today I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida. Of course, we got Microsoft's patch Tuesday to start out with. Now, many have sort of expected a lighter patch Tuesday. I would rate it as average. We have a total of 111 vulnerabilities being addressed, and 16 of these vulnerabilities are rated critical. On the good side, none of the vulnerabilities have been disclosed previously, and none of them have already been exploited. Now, the one vulnerability that sort of caught a little bit my attention was a vulnerability, or actually three vulnerabilities in Microsoft SharePoint, and these are remote code execution vulnerabilities. All three are rated critical. However, in order to exploit this vulnerability, an attacker would have to be able to upload a crafted SharePoint application package to an affected version of SharePoint. So certainly one of those things that you probably do want to address quickly because SharePoint tends to be a little bit more exposed. The other critical vulnerabilities are for the most part sort of confined to the web browser and related software, at least as far as exploitability goes. So, well, certainly nothing that you should ignore, but on the other hand, it's also more of the same that we get every single month. From Adobe, we only got patches for the Adobe DNG software development kit, which are probably not really all that big of a problem. But then we also got patches for a pretty long list, I think 24 different vulnerabilities in Adobe Acrobat and Reader, which is the more commonly used software. 12 of these vulnerabilities are classified as critical and so they would allow code execution by essentially opening a malicious PDF. In case you wonder, the Adobe DNG software development kit, DNG stands for digital negative and essentially sort of a image manipulation uh, format. So unless you're sort of uh, writing custom image processing software, that second part is probably not so much of interest to you. Now, and if a developer for an Android application would like to store user data, it's usually easiest to use Firebase for this. Firebase is a hosted database solution that Google provides in order to allow developers to store data for their applications. But like many of these exposed cloud products, well, Firebase is not necessarily necessarily always configured correctly. So Comparitech looked at some of these applications and all they really did here was they searched these applications for a string ending in firebaseio.com, which is the host name typically used for these Firebase databases. So the application would connect to this database and then access or write data to the database, but without sufficient authentication, Anybody can do the same thing and often bypass the access control that the application provides and access arbitrary records. So 
similar problem as like these exposed S3 buckets and other uh, exposed databases and data stores like this. Now, luckily, this problem doesn't appear to be terribly common, but among the about 500,000 Android applications that Comparitech analyzed, about 4,000 or 0.8% were vulnerable. Google does provide some documentation on how to use Firebase correctly, how to secure the data. I actually think uh, the result isn't really all that terrible given that, you know, about 99% of developers did the right thing. Uh, that's probably hardly ever the case with any kind of technologies that's commonly being used in application development. And Dutch security researcher Max Kersten uh, did a quick analysis of about 1,200 different websites that were infected with some form of the MageCard script. Of course, MageCard uh, comes in a number of different variations. Also, sometimes people are split up into different campaigns. But what they have in common is that they typically inject JavaScript on a website in order to log keystrokes of checkout forms that contain credit card data. And he did a little bit uh, sort of research and summarized uh, some of the types of websites that he did come across. 77.8% were what he calls products, essentially sort of standard e-commerce sites. Actually, uh, the smallest percentage, 1.5%, are adult entertainment sites. So uh, you're actually uh, kind of more secure on those kind of sites. Of course, these numbers are not normalized. Uh, take a look at his blog post for more details. One interesting thing I want to point out here is he did uh, try to notify infected sites and he gives a number of reasonable email addresses that he used uh, to contact someone, in particular security at the domain. Uh, make sure that this email address security at domain is actually reachable, does reach a human. Uh, I always have a real hard time sort of reaching compromised sites and it really helps if you have some standard email aliases that are actually being responded to by a human. And just a little uh, sort of follow-up to yesterday's podcast. I mentioned the Thunder Spy vulnerability and how Clitter can be used to actually uh, detect if someone opened your laptop. Had a couple of uh, sort of questions and requests about this, so I made up a quick video showing sort of how this all works. And the link to the video will be found in the show notes. That's it for today. So thanks again for listening and talk to you again tomorrow. Bye.